This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Rural Maintenance is a company that is managing Mafube's electricity distribution function. And Mafube is a municipality in the Free State. And uh, this rural maintenance is managing Mafube's electricity distribution function in terms of a 25-year contract, which still has 14 years to go. Mafube includes the towns of Frankfurt, Valiers, Tuelang, Cornelia, in the Free State. Well, we're going to be speaking to Chris Posh a little bit about what's going on at Rural Maintenance, who also then says uh, the same may happen when the disputes of this particular nature that's going on in that little town begin to happen elsewhere as well. And despite Nursa having already appointed an arbitrator in the dispute between Rural Maintenance and ESCOM over the measures to mitigate load shedding in Frankfurt, the Mafube local municipality's failure to support the rural maintenance could, of course, derail an entire process. Well, there's been a court process happening in that particular town. But um, you know what? I think for benefit of everybody, uh, the, the questions of who, what, why, when and how are important. And so I'm hoping Chris will be able to deal with all of that. Chris Bosch, welcome to Power 98.7. How are you? Good evening, Denzel. Thank you. Well, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely, Chris. Tell me, tell me, tell me about the little town Frankfurt, um, and 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 why you know it's it's unique and making the news at the moment. Just give us some little bit of insight in into Frankfurt, how large it is, who 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 constitutes that particular part of the world, and then we'll slowly build into into you know the picture into then the electricity supply into that little town called Frankfurt. Uh, for sure. Uh, Frankfurt is is uh, very close to Valiers, just off the N3. Mm-hmm. And as you've correctly mentioned, uh, Mafube municipality comprises Valiers, Frankfurt, Cornelia, and Tweeling. And mm-hmm. out of the four towns, Frankfurt is the largest uh, of the four towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, it really is special because it, it, it falls within the hub of the food production chain within within that portion of the free state. Mm. Uh, rural is currently within Frankfurt. It comprises about uh, 4,760-odd um, electricity users, mm. which vary from uh, your uh, normal residential to poor residential to business, small business, big business, and obviously two of the large uh, industrial food producers mm. are also located within Frankfurt. You said 400 and se- what did you say? 4,760 uh, uh, people who would ultimately be, be, be using electricity off that, or, uh, off that particular grid in Frankfurt. Yeah, uh, those are the connections, 4,760. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so about 25,000 to 30,000 people would, uh, would be receiving electricity in that area. Sure. Let, let's understand then what what um, who and what rural maintenance is, because um, just then I I want to begin to then just bring the picture closer, and we've got an understanding of Frankfurt now, and and so who is rural maintenance, and what does and how did rural maintenance come about? We are a family business, uh, Denzel, and yeah. we've been in in business under the same name with the with the same shareholders 
since uh, 1993. Yeah. And we have been involved in the distribution of electricity for just over 30 years now. Mm. And that, that's kind of what we've been focusing on uh, ever since we, we started doing business. Sure. Uh, when, when you say you've been in the electricity business for about 30 years from now, um, how, how, do you, how did you even get into that business? Were, were you, you know, was there a period ESCOM was, was, was looked at? You know, people saw ESCOM, what was going on in ESCOM. ESCOM either was an employer of that particular point. Would, would you have had a relationship with ESCOM at some particular point to then begin to say, you know what, I know this electricity business. Let me, let me start something, you know, uh, of a similar nature and begin to look at an energy, you know, scenario because I can read that 30 years down down the road, we're going to be having a particular crisis. You know, what, what, is, what is the background here? Well, uh, I started my career uh, as an as epi for my dad. He was an electrical contractor. Mm. He then passed away when I was still relatively young mm. and uh, was lucky enough to get a bursary from Eskom. Mm. for my final two years in at uh, university. Mm. And after university, I started uh, working for Eskom from Whitbank in distribution to Duva Power Station. I did the, the rounds there, and for me, Eskom was absolutely the ultimate uh, pinnacle of what a utility uh, uh, was supposed to be. And, and really, Eskom shaped uh, uh, my view uh, forward of how to actually uh, deliver customer service and the customers mm. actually uh, come first uh, and the supply must always be on and and it, it was really uh, uh, uplifting and, and very nice to actually having been part of, of Eskom in around about 1991-1992 and also having seen firsthand mm. what absolute positive effects the electrification drive has had on communities, and uh, in those communities, we we also did quite a bit of uh, bit of work. Mm. Uh, so so we were we were actually quite quite blessed to at a, at a young age mm. to actually spend a lot of time uh, in in the electricity business. Mm. And, and and moving then into that electricity business, were you were you then able to at that particular point uh, just project that you know thirty years later, did you ever foresee? Um, um, something of this particular nature. You speak fondly of ESCOM at that particular time. A lot of people actually do. And I don't think, you know, uh, there, there's, there's uh, um, any, any, any wrong in, in when people did have an opinion of what ESCOM was. And, you know, um, if you speak to a lot of people, they were winning awards in 2001, 2002, best utility in the world at those particular points. When you started moving into the electricity business at that particular time, was it because you had an understanding of electricity and you knew what what was going on? Or did you already then begin to have an understanding that if you don't fix this thing called ESCOM, 30 years down the road, you're going to have a problem of load shedding and where, like you say, the supply is must always be on, but it's not always on at the moment? But in in honesty, I don't think mm. there's a person in South Africa mm. that anticipated what was going to happen in Eskom. And mm. uh, for sure, I had absolutely no idea Eskom was this uh, massive institution. And I think that's also part of the problem that, that we as South Africa are facing today mm. is 
Eskom never foresaw what was coming and and what would actually be the ultimate price that that ordinary South Africans are paying for what has happened over the the last ten years, unbeknown to to most people. So uh, no, the, your long and the short of it is, mm. I had no idea. I just love uh, building things and switching things on, mm. and uh, it's it's very very positive to see the impact. That electricity makes uh, in in community and on electricity users. If there's no electricity, there's no hope. Mm. There's no chance to earn a living. With electricity being there, being affordable, and mm. being always continuous, mm. you, everybody actually stands a chance to, as a last resort, to actually do something from home or to to do some sort of a some sort of a service for others mm. and and I think that's that's why we've always been involved in electricity because of that very positive nature and positive impact and effect that it has on people Let, let's that that's the historical is I think important. Uh, let's now get into a place where rural maintenance and 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 you just have to correct the numbers here if they're wrong um, uh, Rural maintenance is managing Mafube's electricity distribution function in terms of a 25-year contract, which still has 14 years to go. Mafube includes the towns of Frankfurt, Villiers, Tuelang, and Cornelia in the Free State. Just tell us how there becomes a relationship between rural maintenance at that particular time and then uh, this particular municipality, Mafube. Uh, how, how, was, how did that begin to shape? What was, what was the understanding at that particular time? You, you were beginning to, like you say, shape and build and fix things, and you were beginning to work with renewable energy at that particular time already. How do you begin then to sell the, the, the concept and the idea to Mafube at that particular early stage already, and how does Mafube buy into it? In 1998, we actually, uh, that was the, the last time that we dealt with uh, a parastatal or any organ of state. Mm. So since 1999, up until 2011, mm. we were working exclusively in the private sector. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of work for one of the biggest banks in South Africa. We looked after the entire energy needs for their for their property portfolio, all their owned assets and all their uh, leased assets. Um, the second largest property fund in in South Africa. We also looked after all their electricity distribution needs to all their tenants and for their own consumption. So so we did the material work in the electricity Mm. business, but in the private sector, okay. but in the private sector. Chris, let me, let me pause you there for a second, and I don't want to interfere with your, with your train of thought. You're saying to me that, you know, there were a lot of businesses who were looking at to people like yourself in the private sector who might have been reading the, 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 you know, what's going on with ESCOM, might have approached you, might also have a kind of business that just can't go off the grid at any particular point. So there, what you're saying to me is there were a lot of key businesses at a particular point and still are that were already approaching people like yourself to say, we cannot afford to go off and people were already off the grid, businesses and banks were already off the grid at some particular point. Yes, and, and the private sector, remember electricity in South Africa was always normally quite cheap. Yeah. So, so nobody, nobody cared much about 
the electricity business. And as electricity became more and more expensive, mm. and yeah, from the from the 2000s to, to 2008, mm. electricity kind of just went one way, and it went one way very quickly. Mm. And it caught the big users, the big corporates, caught them actually a little bit unaware, seeing that their operational expenditure have gone through the roof. So, so the, with us being distribution specialists, what we actually do is we we fix broken businesses in the electricity in the electricity scheme. So, because we we do the technical work ourselves, we have the systems, the information systems that we deploy. Mm. Because face it, if you have the right information, mm. you can always make the right decisions. Mm. And I think that's perhaps in South Africa what's also lacking. We're saying that, that our, our guys that, that's in charge are making wrong decisions. But if those guys don't have all the information at hand, mm. who's going to then make the right decision? doesn't matter who they are. Mm. So, so we specialize and make sure that, that we actually gather the information that's, that's relevant, mm. that's accurate. And then based on that, we, we actually correct what's wrong in that business. Mm. So, so for, for many years, since 1998 to 2011, we've never been involved in, in any government work. Mm. And we also managed to, to actually keep ourselves busy in, in the private sector. And sure. it was just by chance that we got involved through a common friend um, with uh, uh, management in Mafube. Uh, mm. I was just there the day, and, and he said, oh, they said, well, what's Chris doing? And, and the guy said, no, they, they actually turn businesses around, and they, they're in the private sector. Mm. So he says, but how can, can you guys not be of assistance to us in this municipality? Because we're collecting about 1.7, 1.8 million rand uh, a month on average, but just our Eskom bill is already at 5 million rand a month on average. So it's about a 60 million rand a year Eskom bill at the time in 2011, mm. with a revenue stream of what's 1.7 times 12 is probably about uh, 14 or, or uh, so million. So the sums don't add up. Then mm. you still have to pay the salaries. We have to pay the diesel. We have to buy the materials to actually do the, the, the job and deliver services to the community. Mm. And that one thing led to the, to the other. And, and as far as I know, we were the only unanimous appointment across all political parties at the time uh, in December 2011, um, early December, because the process started in about June or July of that year. And uh, we were appointed. And in, on the 1st of February 2012, we actually took responsibility for, for the network. And one of the big challenges in the whole Makube area mm. was that whole payment for, for electricity. And remember, the view is, and of South Africans, and that actually irritates me, is people think that South Africans don't want to pay for their, for their utility services. Mm. And, and that is absolutely nonsense. If South Africans, doesn't matter where that South African lives. If, if he gets the service, South mm. Africans pay. We have the best nation, I think, in the world. We have people that are, are loving, they're caring, they look after their neighbors. The, the, you don't find that anywhere in, in the world. And we've traveled a bit, and, mm. and that's why we're still here in South Africa and going nowhere, because we have something special to protect in, in South Africa. Mm. And, and the fact that we are still in business 30 years later, is just testimony to the fact that if, if you deliver a, a service and you deliver quality to to the recipient of that service, he actually pays. Mm. And and that's what that's what happened in in Mafube. Without us having to go to lawyers or get debt collectors to start collecting electricity fees, 
All we did was mm. we started fixing the infrastructure. Mm. We didn't install new meters. We didn't do anything from day one. We started on day one by fixing the infrastructure to make sure that the electricity gets to the recipients. Mm. And as we started fixing the infrastructure and everybody in that community started seeing, listen here, but these guys are working. And if we call them 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, they come out and they fix my electricity. Mm. And slowly, slowly, we built that, that loyalty. We built that brand loyalty where community members saying, gee whiz, I don't have to bribe the municipal official to come and help me sort out my supply. Mm. It just happens. Mm. Everybody gets serviced. Everybody gets helped, even at midnight. doesn't matter what day of the, the, the week it is. And then what automatically happens, they, everybody started paying. Mm. So we're sitting in that Mafube area where we have absolutely no bad debt. Uh, to tell you the honest truth, we do mm. have. We had 62 or 65 instances of bad debt, which we had to write off mm. over the last nearly 12 years. Now, where would you see that? That that was the only number of people that we actually wrote off the, 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 the revenue from mm. and actually disconnected them was was let's call it 65 instances. Mm. It's, it's nearly nothing because the people have, have bought in, we've built a relationship, we are close on the ground mm. and we care. And, and all of a sudden, everything starts to work and the losses have reduced. The losses are sitting currently at about five, between five and, and six percent, mm. uh, and which means over the last... Um, 12 years of tariff increases of NERSA, mm. 10 of those 12 increases, although NERSA had already approved the tariff increase, all we had to do was to publish the tariff. We actually approached NERSA on 10 instances, 10 years out of the last 12, and we actually asked NERSA to adjust our tariff downward mm. because we are reducing the losses, which means we have to actually look after our community. What can our community afford? The community mustn't fund our budget. Our mm. services actually need to be aligned to what the community can afford. And that's exactly what we did. We reduced the tariffs. We, we broadened the net. The, everybody can see that they're getting quality services. We're doing something about the tariffs, which, which we can do under the circumstances. Sure. Even and, and that is the way that I think South Africa is going to turn itself around out of this Eskom crisis is where communities are going to play towards their strengths because every community has a strength. It may not be called rural or it may not be called Gugu or Chris. It may be called somebody else, but, but that somebody else is what those communities are going to leverage and use their strength to fix South Africa one community at a time and and uh, really, we we believe uh, we believe mm. uh, that this is the way. What did you build? So so, Chris, let me let's have an understanding then of. I think you've explained, you know, how how you how everybody then begins to shift, and there's a there's a whole thing. If things are not working and these guys are making it work, then then maybe you know the communities begin to have a buy-in to what you're doing. What did you build? I mean, you know, uh, and and how. 
And how does that operate? Does it operate within just those particular, you know, communities of Frankfurt? Or is it Frankfurt, ideally, and not Villiers-Dwelling and Cornelia? What, and, and, you know, are you then able, if you're saying you're looking after big, you know, businesses as well, banking sectors, are you able then to, to you know, in, nationally in the country? I, I'm just trying to have an understanding of what you built and then how that particular entity operates. You see, all four towns for us, they, they're all important. Mm. So in each of the four towns, we upgraded all the, the big electrical infrastructure, all the high-voltage lines, mm. substations, switchgear, so that if, the, if the, the lines which cover, which carry the biggest electricity, if they are in a good state, then from there we then fix the low-voltage lines. And we did that in in all four towns, uh, Cornelia, which is the smallest. We did a we did a. They had well the smallest town. They had 22 kV in the in town, and they had 6.6 kV in town. Mm. Now, how for just a few thousand users do you have a split voltage level? It makes everything very difficult to maintain. There, we actually took everything. To, to 22 kV in, in Cornelia. Mm. So we're sitting with a uniform voltage. In Twirling, we built a complete new substation for the, for the, where the bulk supply comes in to distribute the electricity into town with many of the power lines that, that were upgraded there. So, so the changes we made were very necessary, but, but they were also very visible. Previously, mm. there was no line. Now there's a line. Previously, the poles fell over. Now they don't fall, fall over, and the conductor is nice and, nice and strong. Mm. And ultimately, what do you see? Although you can see those visible changes, the, the actual reason for those visible changes is an improved electricity supply to every user, whether, whether poor or rich, doesn't matter, we need a continuous electricity supply. Sure. And those changes that we made made a huge difference in the continuity of supply to, to, all, the, to all the customers. I, and, and I, I think, Chris, what I'm good. asking, did you, just, did you just build a huge sun farm? Did you just build you know, a, a, a huge you know, a sun farm of, of, of some sort to, to then just begin to supply and, and you had you know, energy and surplus and, and you could supply you know, these, these little towns? This the the sun farms that was built um, was only very recent. Mm. Uh, we uh, didn't uh, we didn't historically plan on being involved in the generation business. As okay. I said, we were distribution specialists. Yeah. But but when things when it, when as the load shedding started increasing, we realised that listen, something has to be done. We're going to have no product to supply to customers. Mm. We're sitting with customers and we can't supply them with product. Well, if you fix the infrastructure and you don't have supply, it, it makes no sense. Exactly. If, if, there's lo- if, there's no, if there's load shedding. Exactly. You're sitting so, with so, expensive infrastructure with, with no power supply. Correct. And mm. in about 2021, um, we, we uh, teamed up in 2020. At the end of 2020, we teamed up with Paige Makulamalele Makula mm. in uh, Twilang, who's our, um, who was our, he, he, he was our vendor in, mm. in Twilang. He owns a bit of land there. He's a, he's a, a very decent guy. And for the last 12 years, he was one of his businesses sold the electricity. And in 12 years, he didn't skip a payment. His admin was immaculate. 
And when we saw we needed electricity and, and we needed land to, to actually put it on, I approached Paige and said, Paige, wouldn't you want to be, be involved in this? And he said, geez, for sure I would want to be involved. I'm one of the biggest customers in Tweeling. Mm. If you guys would have me, I, I would love to do something with you. So, so we actually built our first small sun farm in Tweeling, mm. which um, supplies... Uh, in the daytime, probably about 80% of the of the load in in Twilen. and uh, it it was absolutely a, a, a success. So um, a, a lot of the other farmers in the area heard about this. They came to have a look, mm. and they said, "But are we not going to do something like this in in uh, Frankfurt?" Mm. And we said, "For sure, we're looking. We just did the small one first to actually see how how things would pan out." Mm. And then we then we proceeded only to to Frankfurt, and we were approached by the businesses and the farmers in in the area, mm. and they said, "Listen, if we would want to contribute to to our town, we need to we need to take responsibility for our town. Can we somehow be accommodated in what you guys are planning?" And and the end result is within a, a, a couple of months, everybody scraped the barrel, mm. and we put together about just over a hundred million rand. And we, for us, it's a huge project. Uh, but actually, the project that we built is is really not so so huge. It's actually small in commercial terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're sitting now with about 3.7 megawatts that's operational in Frankfurt. And that 3.7 megawatts supplies uh, or is, has the capacity to supply about 80%, roughly about 80% mm-hmm. of the load that that is uh, being. Uh, supplied to all the the electricity users in in Frankfurt mm. and um, so the last sun farm there's four of them four small ones in Frankfurt and the last one uh, of the four the four we com- we commissioned in December of last year which means from January uh, we were able to to run the the, um, the pump in some of the electricity from those sun farms sure. into the into the sure. local grid. So, so you're in the news because of of a court case. I think you would have just been operating the way you were operating all along, until you know there's a court case and everybody begins to then say, hey, you know, there's a, there's a grouping called called rural maintenance and they've been doing this and you know uh, there's a little town called Frankfurt and then you know uh, suddenly Chris Bosch is 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 making the news and he's all over you know on newspapers and he's on Power Perspective in the middle of the night. What's going on in the in the court process, Chris? Just just give us some insight then into what's going on there. Well, in early January, after the the, the end of November December fiasco, where we were sitting without electricity, mm. we then knew we had to make a massive change in how we see things and how we operate mm. because we need to. Put some, create some sort of a positivity, reduce this impact, this negative impact that everyone was suffering on, on the load shedding. Because as you, as you you may be aware, mm. the moment a small town is being switched off by Eskom, there's no water, mm. there's no sanitation pumps running, the sewer is running into the Vol River, which again our brothers in Gauteng are are, are drinking. Mm. So. Something has Thanks for to be that, done. Chris. Thanks for that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so something has to be done. And we then approached Eskim and we said to Eskim, guys, 
<clears throat> as the licensees, because the municipality still holds the license for distribution in its area of supply, mm. we need to we we want to take load shedding and manage it on a municipal level, just exactly the same way as Pretoria manages its own load shedding, Johannesburg manages its own load shedding. Because if we do that, mm. we can actually isolate that we keep all the essential equipment operational 24-7, which means we can keep the water pumps running, we can keep the sanitation pumps running. And while we keep that running 24-7, mm. we still cycle and switch everybody off and on as per an approved load shedding cycle. Sure. So that, that was challenging as, as well because Eskom is used to de- going about it their way and we're used to questioning everything in, in life. We just mm. don't take anything for granted. That's the other thing that, that we've learned. Mm. And the, but we found each other, which meant uh, from the, I think it was the 1st of February, now this year, 2023, mm. we took over the, the load shedding. Mm. And as we were busy and doing that's, the load... And, and, and you're saying we found each other, you're saying yourselves and ESCOM found each other and, and there was some form of an agreement of some sort? Yes, in the sure. sense that, that how are we going to implement the load shedding? Sure. What would the schedules be? And, and one of the big sticking points was um, with ESCOM initially was to say, we said to ESCOM, because we did a survey, we sent out a survey to all our customers and... Within a couple of hours, we, we received a, a 30 or 40% response mm. from, from all the electronic uh, requests that we sent out to our customers. And we got back two distinct answers. The 95% of the customers want electricity that, that is interrupted more frequently, but of a lesser duration. So they don't want a four-hour outage sure. only twice a day. Because that's killing. Yes, eight, hour, eight outages of one or one and a half hours apiece. Mm. And then we get the big industrial guys, which actually manufacture our food products. And they say, we can't do with so many interruptions because mm. every time there's an interruption, we need to throw away all the half-made pr- uh, products. Yeah, if you and, interrupt and we, a bakery, for example, midstream, you lose, you lose all of that. Correctly. Mm. So, so we then said to Eskom guys, we want to implement this section of town on many outages, but shorter duration. Mm -hmm. And we want on these two feeders, we want to have them off. If it's stage six, they'll be off for nine hours in one go, but they will be on for 15 hours and they will, but they will still rotate exactly as Eskom requires. So that took a bit of convincing. And finally Eskom saw the light there and they were actually then very nice and, and helpful mm. and we actually implemented our plans which meant what what did we actually then then uh, achieve is initially we, we we got to to actually say the critical infrastructure is now operational mm. the customized weekly load shedding schedules are operational and we got huge positive feedback from from the community mm. uh, we also have the reduced theft of cable where Previously, we would have nearly an incident every day where during load shedding, somebody would dig up a cable to, to steal it. From the 1st of February, we had no such incidents except one small one where a, low voltage, a small low-voltage cable was, was actually damaged because the infrastructure, the bulk infrastructure now remains alive. Mm. And everybody knows if they now dig up a cable, they're probably going to be electrocuted. True. And then the, the low-voltage incidents, 
You know, every time Eskom switched the electricity off and they switch it back on, that big load that comes back on drops the voltage. Mm. So people had a huge amount of voltage problems. And the fact that we were doing the load shedding in town, switching in small pockets, suddenly made all the, the low voltages uh, disappear. And then by, with us having gathered that information, I was uh, actually sitting the, uh, uh, the evening looking at this and I'm saying, but you know what? We were generating today three and a half megawatts on the sun farm. Mm. And we had to switch off one and a half megawatts. Then after that one and a half megawatts is put back, we have to switch off another one megawatt. And I said, but, but we are putting new electricity onto the grid, mm. three and a half megawatts. So while the sun is shining and we are generating a lot more than we have to switch Might off. as well utilize it. Exactly. So, so I immediately notified the Eskom guys and said, listen, we're noticing this. We want, to, we want to not switch off these customers because we're generating new electricity onto, mm. the, onto the grid. Mm. And oh dear, that was, that's actually the only sticking point that we have with, with Eskom. Eskom said what we're trying to do is against the, the regulations. Mm. We obviously have also done our fair investigation of the regulations. We don't agree. We, we feel that the regulations provide exactly for something, something like this. They also said that, that the fact that we are um, not switching off although we are generating more, because remember in the evenings and when it's rainy or it's cloudy, mm. we still switch off exactly as per the load shedding schedule because yeah. we don't have anything to replace the Eskom power. Mm. But during the daytime when the sun is good, we have something to, to replace the, the Eskom power. And they also were of the view to say, if we allow you, then we will open the, the doors and everybody will, the floodgates will just be open and, and we won't be able to, to cope. Uh, my view is on this, the floodgates will open. Isn't that exactly what mm. we would want in South Africa? The floodgates of new energy to be, to be installed and opened. And this is, this is a, a, a exactly what, what we're saying. Can you imagine mm. there's 200, probably 270 municipalities in the country. If every town, in South Africa, I don't know how many there are. Let's say there's 1,500 towns. Mm. If every town just has two megawatts new generation capacity in the town, that means we already add 3,000 megawatts during the daytime, which means that's not the answer for South Africa's problems, but it's mm. a very good first step if us as South Africans all can actually have uninterrupted sure. electricity during the day which means our schools can function, which means our doctors can function, our clinics can function, mm. and the, the elderly and the poor at least have access during the day to charge their things and, and actually get through the night. So load shedding is, in the evening is still, is still happening as per normal. But, but the cheap way of making a positive impact in everybody's lives mm. is to actually just do the first step Put the PV panels. I mean, you can imagine in a small community to get 100 million rand together to build something like this. You really scrape the bottom. Mm. Now, if we now suddenly have to simply put batteries or storage, uh, the, because we've heard that as well from a whole number of, of sources in government to say, but you put the panels, simply just add the batteries. <laughs> well, if it was so simple, perhaps Eskom could have done it, but they can't because it's so expensive. So where do we get the other 150 million to actually put batteries in? And remember, we can't just do Frankfurt. Mm. 
Swirling is now kind of nearly in place. Frankfurt is now is now in place. Villiers has to be resolved so that those uh, community members, all of them there, can actually get the same benefits. And Cornelia, we have to do the same thing with. Sure, sure. So hopefully we will still be able to, to turn Eskom's view on this avoiding thing because that means that we will open the floodgates in a positive way which will help Eskom because Eskom's supply will be, will be reduced if there's a lot more new electricity generation capacity on the grid, mm. which means it's not batteries. Batteries, we just use Eskom power and we, change, we use it later. That's a vicious cycle. We'll go from stage one with batteries to stage eight with batteries because we're circulating the same power. We need new generation capacity in South Africa today. And, and hopefully in the near future, who knows, we're in constant in, uh, discussions with Eskom, and we're still positive that, that we may see a change in Eskom that, that they would feel comfortable if there are formal rules. Chris? Then hopefully we, we actually can plot the course where all other South Africans their own thing and benefit from, from our experience. It's an interesting conversation about the supply of electricity and what the future is going to look like. Yes, somebody who has not called for a while. You know what, Lennox? Actually, Lennox, today I was actually thinking about you, and, and you were on top of mine. I was wondering, where is Lennox in this world? And I need to begin to ask the questions. Lennox, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. There's an NEA. It's perfect, man. I'm doing very good. Lennox, you've got a question, Lennox. No, absolutely. I have a question for Chris. Sure. And uh, look, I think what Chris is talking about is something that any community would anonymously, you know, I mean, unanimously agree with to mm. say, look, we want electricity and put it on our systems right mm, now. Mm, mm. But uh, I, I think they're going to hit the wall. You know, they're going to come against a brick wall without having to say much. Uh, you know, electricity commercialization is a very strictly regulated space. Mm. And of course, ESCOM, for as much as I hate everything that they say or do, mm. are in the right this time around. Mm. In that, if they say, okay, uh, company Chris, mm. uh, you can do as you think you're going to do right now, just go uh, and carry on. Mm. Everybody else is going to have to do it. Mm. And so those floodgates are precisely what will actually That's blow what he was, everything he, up. He, he was saying the floodgates will open. And, and, and of course, that, you know, um, that's, that's what's going to happen. Every little municipality is going to lean on somebody like Chris and, and they are business. And, and you know, the, the, the significance of what ESCOM and what ESCOM does is going to absolutely be questioned then. No, precisely. And so I'd like to pose this question to him. Sure. To say, Chris, what is it that within legislation makes you think you will come right if you are taken to court to actually account for that? Mm. For the mere fact that, uh, you know, there are regulations in place and there are other uh, corporations out there that would want to get the space like 
you have been approved for by that mm. particular community. Mm. That was my question. Thank you, Denzel. Lennox in Sasselberg, thank you so much. It is Power Perspective. It is Power 98.7 that you're listening to. Power Perspective until midnight, which gives us about 52 minutes left of this particular show. My guest is CEO of Rural Maintenance, Chris Bosch, and they supply and they are a private company that, amongst others, supplies uh, electricity to various towns in the Free State. Frankfurt being one of those, Valiers being another. let me bring Chris Bosch into the conversation. Chris, you would have heard what Lennox asked, the regulatory part of things, and then I would have added a few aspects to that as well. And then we can close the conversation, uh, and then I have one one last question for you just before we close the conversation, but that'll come at the end. Chris, you want to answer uh, uh, Lennox's question and, and, and what happens in that particular space? Yes, uh, Lennox, uh, Lennox's view, and, he, and he, it may turn out that he is 100% right, mm. but the fact that, that failure is an option shouldn't actually deter us as South Africans mm. at trying to achieve solutions. I think once we accept the, uh, failure as an, as an option, mm. we really have lost the plot as a nation and, and as a country, and all the experiences that I've had with South Africans have just uh, uh, demonstrated that that, uh, we can, in very adverse circumstances, we can actually make plans and get it it together. Mm. Now, as far as the regulations are are concerned, we have a fabulous constitution, and from that constitution flows a number of acts. And the one thing that we should never forget, Mm. it's not the acts we as a community and we as a people of South Africa should serve the acts. It is the act that is supposed to make life easier Mm. for us as South Africans. The act should serve South Africans and should serve South Africa. Mm. And if we are now in a position which the act, if no other normal person could Mm. have foreseen what actually was going to happen with Eskimo... If the act is restrictive, yeah. Correct. Mm. And those walls which the act built to actually keep us away from the needs. Now, typically, we are now buying electricity. We are one of, we are two out of the 21 shareholders. There's 19 other shareholders that, that built this power plant. Mm. Now, we're buying the electricity from this plant for cheaper than we buy the electricity from Eskom, mm. which means if we leave communities a little bit to get on and do their own things and we give them the space, to actually demonstrate that they can deliver, mm. it can we can get electricity for cheaper, mm. being locally produced. Secondly, if people can get electricity cheaper and they actually can get it, mm. how can any wall hold back the communities to actually from them earning their own livings? Mm. I, I I can't I can't see that. And and you made a point, Denzel. You said if Eskom can't deliver mm. now. Uh, uh, does it mean that they perhaps creating obstacles? Mm. I don't think the Eskom is, is sitting down. There's somebody in Eskom saying, let's see how we can make South Africans' lives more difficult. Mm. I think it's more of a case. Remember the 80s, the late 80s and the early 90s. It, it wasn't easy on anybody in South Africa. There's, there's just no way about it. Everybody looked at this thing and said, we need to get through it. We're mm. building a new South Africa. Mm. Now the same um, type of change is there for Eskom. Eskom has to put the country first. 
and as 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 we don't uh, negatively impact grid stability because that for all of us is of paramount importance we cannot just willy-nilly do whatever we think we can do mm. and and eskimos cope sure. with it no we need to be responsible but eskimon on the other side has to look and put south africans first and actually say how can we assist in a responsible manner without compromising our grid security to actually assist South Africa to get going. You know, it's that, like that story in, in the Bible where, where Moses was put in the basket. Instead of being killed, mm. let's, let's, let hopefully somebody mm. else will, will grow him up. And I think we, that, that's the way we, we need to look at it. The problem is bigger than, than Chris and Rural and Gugu and Power FM. We are all have to actually put our differences aside now and come together as a nation and just make sure that all of us can eat, earn a living, and then from there on, we can actually then start looking to, to rebuild what, whatever's next on, on the menu. Sure. Chris, interview done. Chris, are you operational in Gauteng at all, at all, at all? Let me, let no. me ask you, let me, yeah, uh, in, in a sense where people who want to put these panels on their roofs, and are you only engaged in massive, massive environments and not where individuals are, are concerned and, 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 and where you look at, you know, individual needs of particular people? Uh, unfortunately, um, this really is taking a, up a lot of our time and our expertise to actually, because if, it, if we were just able to do the job, I'm sure we would have been able to expand our services. But with everything that you want to do properly, mm. there's always curveballs like what we're facing now mm. um, b- b- with, with uh, Eskom and with the community on the other hand. Uh, so it does take up a lot of, lot of our time. But at the end of the day, all we can part is to say anybody who wants to put up solar panels or batteries, Mm. please check to make sure that whoever you're buying from Mm. has actually done it successfully before and be very careful with your deposits. Mm. Because at the end of the day, once you've handed over the money and you didn't make the effort to go and check whether this person is and is capable of doing a a proper job for you and Mm. has a good record, it may leave you even in a bigger debt uh, than, than what you are currently facing. So, Chris, if someone like myself was contemplating putting panels on the roof, would would you have people who you would kind of be able to lead in the right direction? Un- unfortunately not, because that residential market has other smaller products, which we actually have, have no... Um, Got you. Uh, yes, we, we're not we're not experts in 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 that part of of the business, but but, uh, uh, but we can just say be very careful. It's mm. a new field. There's new players. Everybody gives you a twenty year guarantee, but they haven't been in business for a year. So just just be very wake up in in uh, for the listeners out there. Be careful, guys. Keep your eyes open. Chris Bosch, thank you so much for that. Uh, uh, just warning at the end there as well. So many new players in the in the business and and everybody looking for for a buck and how to make a buck. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Denzel. That's Chris Bosch, CEO of Rural Maintenance, talking to us there. You've been listening to a Power ninety eight point seven podcast. For more podcasts, visit power nine eight seven dot co dot za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.